Welcome, Wildcats, to another edition of the Weber State Weekly Game Day Show. I'm your fearless host, AC, and I'm joined by a couple special dudes, special guests, my normal partner in crime, Dustin Chappie Chapman. Hey, hey, better see y'all up at the stadium today. Come say hi. That's right. Better see everybody at the stadium today. Show up at Stewart, and we've got a special guest from Hero Sports, Sam Herter. Hey, guys. It's great to be on. And we are stoked to have you here, Sam, one of the foremost knowledges, uh, authorities, I should say, on FCS football. We're very happy to have you here. Big week for you. Big week for Weber State fans. Lots to cover today. We're going to be talking with Sam about his thoughts on the FCS playoff bracket. We're going to be talking about some things that Jay Hill and company said in the midweek press conference. And we are going to be making some predictions on what's going to be happening today in FCS playoff football. Big week, big show coming your way. But first, we want want to remind everybody to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. You can listen to us at WeberStateWeekly.com. You can find us on Apple Pods, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please go there, subscribe, rate, and review, and that helps us get into the ears of as many people, as many Wildcat fans as possible. Everybody wins. I also want to remind you, please go like or follow us on social media. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Weber State Weekly. We are very active on Twitter, especially during game days. Go there, follow us, see what we've got going on. Also want to remind you that you can email us info at WeberStateWeekly.com. Let us know what you think of the show. Give us any feedback. If you have any ideas or anything you'd like for us to talk about, let us know. We've recently started a Patreon. If you like the work that we do, you can go to Patreon.com and support Weber State Weekly. All right, fellas, enough with the housework. Let's get to the big stuff. It's game day in FCS land. We got a lot to talk about. Sam, you're one of the biggest reporters, one of the the, the smartest guys in the FCS circuit, and we're stoked to have you here. And I I just let's start off, you know, right right off the bat with what did you think about Selection Sunday and what did you think initial thoughts on the FCS playoff bracket? Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of whoa uh, moments, you know, starting with James Madison not getting a top two seed. You know, I didn't see that coming. Uh, but along with that, if you look at it, you know, objective, objectively, it does make sense that Sam Houston is two and South Dakota State um, is number one. I didn't have an issue with JMU being number three. I just didn't see that coming. And then, you know, the second big woe was right after that, and that was Jacksonville State getting the seed. You know, I think we all expected, uh, you know, especially me, I, we expected Weber state to get that number four seed um, and Jacksonville state getting it. Um, I mean, I thought the four seed was going to, the number four seed was going to come between Weber state and Delaware. Um, I didn't think the committee was going to give two CAA teams a seed. So I was thinking, okay, yeah, that, that'll be Weber state. Um, and then when they announced Jacksonville state as the four seed, you know, that was, that was a bigger shocker to me than, than James Madison at, at number three, you know, I, I think they put a lot of stock into their fall wins um, and they're just, you know, the fact that Jacksonville state has nine wins, um, I think really stood out uh, compared to what Weber state's five, but at the same time, I mean, Austin P gave Jacksonville state a really bad loss uh, just a few weeks ago. And I feel like, you know, maybe the committee forgot about that because that wasn't a good loss at all for GSU. 
Yeah, yeah, I think a lot of people were pretty surprised by the seating and it got off the, the show got off with with a bang. You know, JMU was not the number one seed. And then that's followed up with Sam Houston as the two seed. And so a lot of people just right off the bat were really surprised at the seating. So Weber State did not get the four seed like I believe you had predicted prior to the selection show. So they didn't get the four seed. But what did you think about their placement where they're playing uh, SIU in the first round? Did you think that was fair? Yeah, I, I think getting paired up with Southern Illinois, I think that's fair. Uh, you know, where they got potted, uh, I don't, you know, going to the number one seed, um, I get why they did it just because of, um, you know, geography. They, they try to make it as regional as possible, but to send the Big Sky champ to the number one seed in the quarterfinals, I thought was, um, you know, not. I, guess, I shouldn't say it's unfair just because of regionalization. That's just how it works. But I thought Weber State got a pretty tough draw there. Um, I mean, if, you know, if, if, if they're elsewhere in the bracket, I could see, you know, Weber State being a semifinalist. But now with the fact that they are matched up with the number one seed, now all of a sudden you look at them differently. You look at them differently and, and you know, think of them differently as far as how far they can go in the bracket. Yeah, so in big sky circles, it seemed like a lot of the talk was that regionalization maybe hurt the big sky, you know, because it was, there were just, wasn't a lot of teams in the West, especially with San Diego, not, not winning the pioneer league. I mean, I mean, do you think that had as big of an effect? A lot of people honestly kind of felt like the big sky was, was, was disrespected, but what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's a disrespect uh, thing. I, it's just more of the parameters that the committee is given basically by the NCAA and I've written this before where, you know, instead of being mad at the committee, which is easy to do every year being mad at the committee, we should be mad at the parameters given to them by the NCAA. I mean, they have strict, um, you know, if you can bust a team, you, you have, you have to pair that matchup as long as it's not, you know, a, a conference rematch or, you know, if, because we see a lot of second round games, even in normal brackets between big sky and Valley teams, um, because they're not going to fly Weber States all the way across the country to play Delaware, where they, where they can fly them to Brookings. Same thing with Eastern Washington. They're not going to fly them to, um, you know, Sam Houston. They're going to, you know, fly them to, to North Dakota state, you know, just because of a little shorter trip and the FCS doesn't make money. So they're trying to, you know, limit the, the travel costs. So, I don't know if, if it's, you know, a disrespect thing for the big sky um, besides the fact that we were state, you know, didn't get seated obviously, but just with how they got paired up um, in their, in their pods, I think that's just kind of the regionalization uh, part of it. So that leads us to today's matchup. SIU's in town here in Ogden, going to be at Stewart stadium a little bit later today. And I mean, it's kind of an interesting matchup. Two teams that really like to run the ball. Uh, some some hard-nosed football going to be played at Stewart Stadium today. What do you think about th- this matchup? Tell us a little bit about uh, a, a little bit about Southern Illinois. Yeah, I mean, the Salukis were not shy at all this year. They they did a lot of you know campaigning. Uh, them and their head coach Nick Hill. Um, they did a lot of campaign uh, campaigning to. Uh, to get into the playoffs. And, you know, they sent out, I'm sure you guys saw it, uh, when their last two games were canceled due to opt-outs um, from other Valley teams. You know, they had a, a big graphic that said, you know, we played uh, when other schools called it a season because of snow, we shoveled off our practice field and we practice. And, 
you know, when, when teams called off their games because they were short defensive linemen, you know, we were short and we played, um, we made a promise to each other and we played. And, um, and so like they really campaigned for themselves. Um, and because of them doing that Southeastern Louisiana's coach reached out to their head coach and said, Hey, love your guys' message. Um, if you can bus us up there, uh, we would love to play you guys in the final week of the regular season. They were able to get that game in. Uh, Southeastern Louisiana was ranked at the time. SIU got that win uh, to get, you know, win number five. And that win ultimately got them into the playoff field. Had they not gotten that game, I don't think SIU is in the field. And honestly, I think Southeastern Louisiana, by playing that game and losing, cost themselves a chance um, because they were four and two. Now they're, now they're four and three. Um, and so, I mean, this is, it's a good programming. I really like Nick Hill. He's a really good young coach. Um, you know, Southern Illinois is an FCS team that takes football seriously. Um, not a lot of FCS schools can say that. Um, and I think they pride themselves on that saying, Hey, we committed to the spring. We're going to finish the spring. Um, and kind of having that message out there. And so, um, good program, uh, made giant steps in 2019, barely missed out on the playoffs, made another giant step this spring. Um, obviously hammered North Dakota state, probably the, the best win of the, of the spring regular season. And so they made giant strides. Um, and you know, they played good defense and they, they liked to run the ball as well. Yeah. And it, it seems like Southern Illinois, uh, they, they're very similar to Weber state where they seem like they have a committee of running backs, but I, I believe they've gone through three or four quarterbacks this year. Uh, and the results have been mixed, right? Like there's when they beat North Dakota state, but then South Dakota state absolutely hammered them, you know, and then there's games where, um, they're, they're low scoring. And then there's last week against Sela where it's like, a, it's a track meet, you know, what, what is it about this team that, uh, I mean, honestly, I wildcat fans. I'm not sure what they expect to see on Saturday. Yeah, it's been, uh, they have had quarterback injuries. Um, and that's it. So it's been hard to, uh, you know, I think that plays a lot into it offensively. Um, I know when they beat, uh, North Dakota state and they had a, a nice run there, Nick Baker was their quarterback. Um, he's injured now. Um, and they had a few weeks off, so we weren't sure if he was going to come back. Um, or not. And then in last week's game, it was uh, Stone Lab, Stone L. His, his last name starts with an L. I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but he came in. Uh, they, you know, they, they went for a million yards against Southeastern Louisiana. Um, so I, I assume he, he's still going to be the guy. Um, but they also have a guy named Javon Williams Jr. Technically, I think they list him as a quarterback um or maybe they, they might list him as a running back but essentially he's their wildcat quarterback um he doesn't pass the ball a lot he's a, a big guy um big physical running back um and then defensively yeah it's you know i i don't know if i think they have some injuries on defense but they look good defensively earlier in the year um and then they just got bulldozed by south dakota state um on the ground and then this last week you know they allowed 48 points to southeastern louisiana so um, their defense isn't, you know, as, as good as they want it to be, obviously. All right, Sam. So before we get, we, we zoom back out and get more of the national perspective, I'm going to put you on the spot here because Wildcat Nation's got to know, does Sam Herter hate their team? And so I got to <laughs> ask, is, is Weber State going to win this game? What are your predictions? Yeah, I, I think Weber State will, you know, I have them winning this first round game uh you know it being at home is a big deal we know we've stayed re- plays really well um at home uh you know has a tradition of, of of going deep into the playoffs uh you know i think so i think it'll be a good game i think it'll be one of the more competitive games uh in the first round uh, but i do think we state will get the win and then i'm going to follow that up by asking the the salukis have a, a suspect run defense 
and I'm setting the over under for Weber State rush yards at 200. What's the over? What, what's your over under, Sam? I'll go over. Uh, I'll go over on that. You know, I do think their their you know defense is gettable is gettable, you know, especially uh, on the ground. So I'll go over that. All right. So Sam Herder's got the Wildcats and he says they're going to run rampant on the Salukis today, folks. Big news. You heard it here first. All right, Sam. So let's take a look at out for you. Talked a little bit about the seeds and what stood out to you there. Did anything else from the bracket really stick out to you? Uh, you know, other than the seeds, uh, I guess the big thing is the Valley getting five teams in. Um, and that fifth team is that fifth team in coincidentally was Southern Illinois. You know, I didn't think they had a chance to get into the bracket a week ago at this time, but a lot of teams end up losing. I mean, they beat Southeastern Louisiana, Villanova lost, Mercer lost, Incarnate Word lost. Um, and so like the bubble went from very packed to all of a sudden there weren't a whole lot of teams to, to put in the field. And so, uh, that's a big reason why Southern Illinois got in, um, you know, the Valley getting five teams in is nothing new. Uh, we've seen that before in the 2014 bracket, but for them to get five teams in the 16, uh, team brackets, you know, take four of the six at large bits. I didn't, I didn't think that was, that was coming. And so that was the other big surprise. Are there any sleeper teams you see that, you know, any, any, any surprises out there to reach the semifinals or the finals in your opinion? Yeah. I mean, keep an eye on Delaware um, as one unseated team uh, that can make a run. Uh, you know, they, they've, they've gotten a lot of national respect. Uh, they've been highly ranked. Uh, they are undefeated. They, they do look really good. Um, but I still feel like they're still hiding in the shadows of James Madison out of the CAA. Um, but I mean, you can make the argument that Delaware has looked like the better team, uh, out, out of the CAA. So that's one unseated team I could see making a run. I mean, North Dakota state is not really a sleeper team, even though they are undefeated. Um, it, I, I've been saying it all week. The Bison could very well find themselves in Frisco in a few weeks, just because they could find some of that NDSU postseason magic at the same time, Eastern Washington can very well go in there and get a win. So NDSU could be in Frisco. They could be out in the first round. Um, I really don't know, but those are, I guess, two um, unseated teams that if they made it to Frisco, I, I wouldn't be too surprised about it. So I want to ask you a little bit more about that matchup with the Bison because they are playing Weber State's uh, colleague, if you will, from the Big Sky, Eastern Washington. Many people in the Big Sky feel like that's an advantageous matchup for the Eagles. Do you think that there's some uh, quote unquote upset potential there with Eastern Washington? I think it is pretty close to a 50-50 game. You know, it's probably 55-45 NDSU. Uh, just because it is in the Farber Dome, um, even though it's only going to be 25% capacity, you know, just, you know, being on your home field in the playoffs uh, is an advantage. But I do think with, you know, with Eastern Washington's offense, you know, they, they spread you out. Uh, they have an experienced off offensive line. They have some physical running backs. Uh, but then Eric Berry, um, obviously, you know, it, he's probably the best dual threat quarterback in the FCS. Um, but, you know, for, we call him, dual thread, but he, he hasn't done a lot of damage, you know, with his legs. They haven't asked him to do a lot of damage with his legs, but I think if they let him loose, you know, they get some you know quarterback draws or something in there, or they, or they just let him, you know, get outside the pockets and say, Hey, if you see an opening, tuck it and run. I mean, it's the playoffs, just, you know, get after it. I, I think that's the type of offense and that's the type of player that gives NDSU uh, defensively a lot of trouble. Um, we saw that with Brian Shore from James Madison, Ben DiNucci from James Madison, Taryn Christian, 
um, all ran the same type of offense of, you know, spread offense and then a, a quarterback with a great arm uh, that can tuck the ball and run. Um, and I think, you know, obviously Eric Berry possesses that ability uh, then some. And so, um, yeah, like I said, Eastern Washington, I'm not going to pick it, but if they got an upset, uh, I don't even know if I would call it an upset. Honestly, I, I think it, I don't know if that would, if that would shock a lot of people if Eastern Washington did get a win. Interesting. Interesting pick. Um, all right. So check in here. Our, our, our quarterback for Southern Illinois is Stone Labanowitz. Okay. Yeah, so the, that joins our, our FCS all name team with Malachi Rango from Idaho state. That is a great name for a quarterback. <laughs> so there you go. And he is listed as the starter for Saturday on their depth chart. Okay. And I know he, he did, they had quarterback issues in 2019 uh, as well. And he did start some games. Um, so he, he does have plenty of experience and obviously he played well uh, last week. All right, Sam. So I just got one more thing before we let you go. I've seen your helmet display that you have under your TV. There's some big sky love. I've seen Eastern Washington. I think I've seen UC Davis as well. I'm there's a glaring lack of purple and white though. What can we do to rectify this? Yeah, I know. I'm, well, I'm, so I'm Googling it now. Okay. There is one uh, now, but at, so all these helmets were bots uh, a few years ago. Um, and at that time, I didn't think there was a Weaver state mini helmets. Um, I do believe there is one now, you know, as I'm looking at it, it's, uh, it's a very old school logo, um, from what I'm seeing. <laughs> and so, so I don't know if, you know, if the Weaver state bookstore or, you know, the athletic site or something sells, uh, mini helmets. Um, but surprisingly there is not as many, uh, mini helmets, you know, out there as you would think, like not every team has a mini helmets, you know, I, the Southland like barely has any teams with mini helmets. I had a lot of their fans like Sam or can't remember if it was Nichols or Sam Houston saying, where's our helmets? I'm like, well, there's none, there's none available to buy it online. And so, yeah, I mean, I could probably use uh, Weaver State helmets uh, just because they are one of the, in my opinion, one of the blue blood programs in the FCS now. That's not something you'd hear five, 10 years ago, folks. So exactly, we got to enjoy yeah. it. When Sam Herder's saying it, it's gospel truth. You heard it. Weber State is a blue blood in the FCS. So, Sam, we want to thank you for taking the time. Where can people follow you? Yeah, they can uh, find me on Twitter at Sam Herder FCS. Perfect. And he's constantly on there tweeting out high quality in-depth FCS information. Sam Herter, one of the best followers on Twitter, one of the best reporters in the land when it comes to FCS football. Thank you so much for joining Weber State Weekly. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Always great having Sam Herter, friend of Weber State Weekly now, on the show. He's so smart, so knowledgeable when it comes to FCS football, and he's so well tied in to the community that he just it seems like he knows every team so well. We're always happy to have him on the show. So this last week, Chappie, some big news out of Weber State camp. There were a ton of accolades handed out this past week. Weber State football led the Big Sky Conference in players who were on the all-conference team. But not only that, there were some individual awards handed out as well. Connor, the Captain Mortensen named Big Sky Defensive Player of the Year. Dante McMillan, the running back, freshman sensation, named Co-Freshman of the Year. And Jay Hill, finally breaking through and getting his first Big Sky Conference Coach of the Year. He was named the Region Coach of the Year for the second consecutive season. But Jay Hill, the undisputed GOAT, finally named Big Sky Coach of the Year. And then on offense, the first team, there were three 
Weber State offensive players who made the first team, Noah Atagi, Ty Whitworth, and Josh Davis. Rashid Shahid was named the all-conference returner. And then on defense, Eddie Heckard, Connor Mortensen, of course, Jared Sheese, Preston Smith, and Des Williams, all named to the first team. Second team, George Tarlis, Sione Lapuaho, Dante McMillan, and Sherwin Lavaca to round things out. So, Chappie, pretty much everybody on this Weber State team getting some type of accolade. What does that say to you? We said that we had a good season. <laughs> said that we were the outright uh, conference champions. Um, how how was this the first time Jay Hill has won coach of the year in the Big Sky Conference? That that is that's mind-boggling, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think that's the, the the biggest thing that stuck out to people, right? Weber State, obviously a very extremely talented team, but Jay Hill, who's been one of the, the, the top coaches in FCS for years now, prior to the season, Sam Herter called Jay Hill the best coach in FCS, not in the big sky, in FCS. And he's finally getting his first big sky coach of the year. So that has to feel good for Jay Hill. I know that Wildcat Nation was awfully proud when they saw that. So I think that was the big thing that really stood out to people was the fact that Jay Hill finally ended up getting that award that he has long deserved so tons of talent at weber state obviously cleaning up in the big sky conference accolades all right jack let's talk oh go ahead more thing i very happy to see connor mortensen be recognized he's had a fabulous year he is he's had a he's a great story he might be the perfect prototypical weber state football player right he just slightly unheralded and willing to work hard and put in the time to to do what it takes to to be great uh can't say enough about about him winning defensive player of the year he's been on, on a very good defense he's been a cut above a very very good defense already connor is an incredible story and if you want further background information please go back and listen to our podcast with him it was after the first time that he won big sky defensive player of the week and he he told us everything you know how he went from a, a walk-on to all of a sudden he's leading the team in tackles and then big sky conference player of the week and he repeated that actually in a short abbreviated season he won big sky defensive player of the week two weeks out of a five-week season so i think as the as the season went on it became apparent that connor was going to be collecting some awards at season's end and here we are i, I don't think anyone was surprised to see him named as the defensive player of the year he certainly deserved it incredible story please go back and listen to that because connor absolutely deserves all the praise and all the attention the wildcat nation can afford to give him uh and that i mean that goes for a lot of people dante mcmillan we had him on the show as well and he's he's had an awesome in being named co-freshman of the year huge honor for him as well so those two among others just awesome stories and they embody wildcat football Chappy, huge game today at Stewart Stadium. Absolutely enormous game. Eyes of the nation going to be turned to Ogden, Utah, where the Southern Illinois Salukis storm into town trying to get a win against the Weber State Wildcats. And earlier this week in his midweek press conference, Jay Hill actually was asked who this SIU team reminds him of. Well, you know, they, they remind me a lot of North Dakota when they were in our league. Uh, very tough, physical, 
want to run the ball. Um, they play good defense. So I, I would say North Dakota in our league. Um, uh, UC Davis plays a lot the same way. Very good defense this year when we played them. Do a great job. They're very creative in their run game. So probably those two teams the most uh, from who we played this year. So, Chappie, this SIU team, it's not a team that Wildcat Nation knows very well. They haven't ever played before. SIU hasn't made the playoffs since 2009. They've been out of the national spotlight for a minute now. And Jay Hill tells us that this team reminds him of North Dakota or UC Davis. And so, Chappie, when you hear that, how does that make you envision this SIU team? Yeah, Going back to both of those games, last time we played North Dakota in 2019, here you know at, here at Stewart Stadium, uh, Weber won that game late. UC Davis won that game late. It makes me feel like it's going to be um, a game just like we've seen every other week, but week one this season. <laughs> it makes me feel like it's going to be a a, a slugfest on the ground um, with 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 some passing attempts that it, that are there to be big plays. Uh, but it feels like it's going to be a lot more of a slugfest and really just more of the same of what we've seen so far this year. So it's interesting. I think that there's going to be a lot of running of the football, right? We've, we've already mentioned SIU's down a, a couple quarterbacks. They've had some quarterback issues. Both these teams love to run the football. SIU is averaging right around 200 yards. Weber state's averaging over 200 yards, but this SIU team, they give up a lot of yards on the ground as well, giving up, over or they gave up right around 200 yards as well. I asked Sam Herder the over under what's he taken at 200 yards. And he said, Weber state's going to run for more than 200 yards. And so this wildcat team depends a lot on the ground attack. It's, it's very potent. Josh Davis, Dante McMillan. I think that, that these two are going to have a heyday. SIU is going to run the ball a lot as well, but I like Weber State's run defense a little bit more than I like SIU's run defense. So it's going to be interesting seeing the Salukis in Stewart Stadium uh, just because historically there's nothing there. And so this this game is going to kind of set the narrative for this matchup for, you know, the rest of history. And it, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to see it in a playoff setting. Yeah, And, and if you look at the, uh, the game box scores that SIU's played this year, uh, I haven't watched them a ton, but looking at the box scores, um, it feels like the teams that stop the run are the teams that win the game against SIU. All right. And and that is a little bit interesting because Weber State has, I don't want to say they've struggled against the run this year because they haven't, but the pass defense has seemed to feel stronger than the run defense for for a majority of the season, right? And and Jay Hill even said that after the Idaho, the last Idaho State game, that you know the game plan was to force them to beat them on the ground by neutralizing the pass. And I wonder if that's going to be what happens today. We absolutely did the same thing against UC Davis at home, a team that Jay Hill compared them to. You know, I remember the stretch against UC Davis when I think it was like the they ran a QB draw or a QB option, like six straight plays, you know? So uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, also on the run, on the running front for Weber state, we didn't cut this clip, but Jay Hill did mention that he does expect um, he does expect Josh Davis to be back this week. Uh, he actually said that on 1280, not in the weekly press conference. He said that he does expect Josh Davis to be back. He said he, he doesn't have a percentage 
He said if he were to put a number on it, it'd be like 75, but he feels like by the time he gets to game time, he's going to be really close to 100. So we really can't tell. But uh, but we will see Josh Davis on the field today. Which is going to be huge because this SIU team struggles so bad against the rush. It, they've played eight games. They're five and three. In their three losses, they were outrushed in every single one of them. Their first loss was against North Dakota, another playoff team. North Dakota ran for 229 yards. SIU ran for 90. Their next loss happened to be against uh, South Dakota State, obviously the number one team in the nation. South Dakota State, Jackrabbits ran for near 400 yards on this SIU team. And then their final loss was against another playoff team, Missouri State. And that, that one was a lot closer, but there was still a small disparity there with Missouri State running for 132 yards compared to SIU's 120. And so it seems to be that the team that wins the ground game against the Salukis will win the ball game. And for me personally, I like Weber State's chances to, to control the ground. Ty Whitworth, Noah Atagi, both all-conference performers. Josh Davis, Dante McMillan, all-conference performers. And so to me, I like this matchup. It's going to be a lot of running. It's going to be a battle of the trenches. But for me, I like Weber State's chances. I, I like their talent in the trenches more than I like SIU's. And so that's where I think it's going to come down to. This SIU team is all about running the football. We're going to see the ball on the ground a lot today. But even with Weber State's dominance on the ground, they have struggled on offense at times this year, specifically in the red zone. And that's something else that Jay Hill mentioned in his press conference earlier this week. Well, the only thing that matters is showing it in the game. And we've yet to do, we haven't done that for the last three weeks. We've got to score touchdowns in the red zone. And we've had enough mishaps in there to be a season's worth already. Uh, we're not used to having those and that's cost us, you know, that's allowed teams to hang with us. Every one of our games could have been three, four score games. If we'd have just scored touchdowns in the red zone, like we, like we usually do. Um, so that's something we got to clean up. I, we practice well, it's not like we go out there and fart and flounder around on in practice. I mean, we're, we're a good practice team. We just, we've made some mistakes in games that are, have cost us a little bit and, the good thing is we've been making those mistakes and still winning. And we clean that stuff up. We got a chance to be a really good team. Hashtag fart and flounder. Chappie, when we look back on the season, you think back to the NAU, NAU game when Weber State went on an eight-minute drive and turned the ball in, over in the red zone. You think back to SUU when Weber State was turning the ball over in the red zone. UC Davis when Weber State's turning the ball over in the red zone twice. And so this is something that's not – it's, it hasn't escaped the team. This is something that the team is well aware of. What are your thoughts on the red zone struggles we've seen from the Wildcats this season? It's interesting to hear Coach Hill talk about that because in him saying that, he obviously feels like they are very uncharacteristic, right? That it's not what's happening in practice. It's not what they expect to happen, right? Which just means that who knows what that means as far as game day, you know, what is going on in game day that's making that different. Um, I don't know if it's just the first couple of times I was, thought ah, it's just dumb luck, you know, but as it's kept happening, you just, you have to wonder, and I'm not sure if it's the sign of a young team, uh, if it's the sign of a, of, of young offense, whatever that may be. But uh, clearly coach Hill thinks that if they clean that up, they're going to be very, very potent. And I, and I feel the same way. I mean, they really could have locked up every one of those games pretty early on or, 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 or much earlier on than they, than they did, especially Northern Arizona. 
So Northern Arizona was a five point victory for the Wildcats. I mean, had they scored earlier in the game when they went on that, that March down the field, eight minutes and they get down to the four yard line and then fumble at the, at the four, you have to think that that, that game specifically looks completely different than it does against UC Davis, another five point victory that Weber state won 18 to 13. There's a fumble in the red zone. There's an interception in the red zone. So that's two scoring chances. Even if you just get field goals out of those two trips, all of a sudden that's a 24, 13 ball game. And Weber state has beaten a a top 25 team, a top 15 team by multiple scores. And so it seems like the red zone struggles have been a, a narrative that people didn't expect. And obviously people don't want, and it's playoff time. Now you can't afford any more of those. And so that's going to be something that people are going to want to keep their eyes on today. Once Weber state gets inside the 20, how are they going to react? Are they going to keep, is it going to be a struggle still, or is Weber state going to capitalize that very well might end up being the difference in the ball game. Yeah, 100%. And I, to me, I think it, you know, it goes one of two ways. I mean, the, the, the pressure is obviously on the offense. Like they, they know this, right? So, you know, when it gets to time to be tight time, you know, does the off is the offense going to produce or are they not, you know? And I think that that will absolutely be the story of the game. Um, I also, if I'm speaking from a, a personal perspective, I also wonder just how tight the team is. Uh, it seems like you can always tell how, how loose Weber state is by by the fake, by the special teams, fun plays, I like to call them that they run, you know, I mean, I don't know that we have seen a fake punt this season. In fact, I know that we haven't seen a fake punt this season. You know, I remember playing uh, in the playoffs a few years ago, I think we ran like two or three fake punts in the same game. <laughs> you know um, we have done the two point conversion plays a couple of times. Haven't really seen any fake field goals. Uh, so I, Part of me wonders if if Jay Hill has been just saving those. He did mention a couple of weeks ago in his press conference that he can tell that the other teams are putting in immense amounts of time to prepare for Weber State's special teams. <laughs> so, part of me wonders if he just has been reserving those for 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 just such a game as this. And this very well could be the occasion where we see some of that special teams trickeration that's become such a staple in Jay Hill's team. So. Lots to look forward to today at Stewart Stadium. Potentially some more history on the line. Weber State looking for a fourth consecutive quarterfinal appearance in the FCS playoffs. It's a different time at Weber State football, folks. This is the golden age, as we've referred to it multiple times here on Weber State Weekly. Lots to look forward to. But, Chappie, there's a lot of other games going on in FCS football today, so that means it's time to fly around the sky and look at what's going on in FCS football playoffs going on all around the nation. Jappy, we're going to be doing what we always do and talking predictions here. We'll start off with the number one seed and a potential opponent in the quarterfinals. Holy Cross is visiting the Jackrabbits, number one seed in all FCS football. What do you think is going to happen this one, Jappy? So I'll just get out of the way that I'm not as sold on South Dakota state being the number one seed as everybody else is, but they're going to be Holy cross. I mean, that's, we're not going to lose that first game. I am sold on South Dakota state being the number one seed. I think they're very good. And I think that they win this one big next. We'll move on to sacred heart at Delaware. 
Delaware with some classic uniforms, lots of tradition at uh, at Delaware. Who do you think is going to win this one? Do they have a name for the Delaware Michigan helmet? Like it's a it's a replica of the Michigan helmet. I wonder what they call it. Anyway, Delaware is going to win this game. Uh, they are the the CAA champion. They got the auto bid. Uh, it's good to see some of the old school FCS uh, royalty back back playing playing tough. I like Delaware in this one as well. I think that they're going to win. I uh, thought that they had a, a decent argument for a seed undefeated. They, they beat number 10 Villanova in the last week of the season on the road. I like Delaware and I think they're going to win this one. Next, we've got Davidson visiting number four, Jacksonville State. What's going to happen? Yeah, the Pioneer League is not a a a a great um fcs football league davidson being the champion generally it's been san diego for the last you know how many odd years in a row Uh, jacksonville state's going to win this one jacksonville state a team that many people myself included think probably jumped ahead of weber state in the seating i thought weber state probably should have had the number four seed but jacksonville state ends up getting the number four seed and the matchup against Davidson. I think the Jacksonville state's going to win this one though. Lots of talent in down there in Alabama with Jacksonville state. So I, I think that they're going to end up winning this one. That takes us to the game with the number three seed VMI heading to bridge fourth to take on James Madison. How's this one going to shake out? Yeah. James Madison. It was funny to watch uh, Kirk Hagnetti on the selection show. Uh, he was he was salty <laughs> for them not getting a one seat. Uh, I expect uh, JMU to come out pretty angry in this game. Uh, congrats to VMI; they've they've had a phenomenal year. Uh, JMU's going to see them out of the playoffs pretty quickly. VMI coming in with a six and one record on the season. JMU coming in with a whole lot of playoff experience. I like the Dukes in this one. Um, I've actually I've picked against the Dukes a few times this season, and you know what? They just they keep winning, and so I'm learning from my mistakes here, trying to right the wrongs. I, I'm taking James Madison. Next up, we've got Missouri State, a team that snuck into the playoffs with four losses, heading to Weber State's old Big Sky Conference friend, North Dakota. Chappie, what do you think is going to happen in North Dakota? Uh, the suddenly great. North Dakota team <laughs> fighting Hawks, right? Interesting how that happens. I got in a conference and now they're great. Amazing how that happens. Anyway, uh, Missouri State, there is a, a connection to Weber State in this too. Missouri State is coached by one Bobby Petrino. Uh, if Weber State fans remember the fateful run-in with Bobby Petrino getting axed as the head coach at Arkansas, only to have Weber State alum John L. Smith leave Weber State before ever coaching a game to replace Bobby Petrino at Arkansas. So there is the the local tie to that. Uh, if I'm going to pick an upset, I mean, Bobby Petrino, terrible person, phenomenal football coach. These guys have come on late. Uh, I, I'm actually going to take Missouri State in an upset here. North Dakota has had a lot of playoff issues in the past, getting bounced early on in the playoffs a few years in a row now. I still think North Dakota has just got too much talent. They've won some big games this year against some very talented teams, and I don't think Missouri State's even in the top half of the talented teams that that North Dakota has seen this season, so I'm taking North Dakota. Next up, we're going to go to the number two seed. Monmouth is visiting number two, Sam Houston State. A little bit of a surprise that Sam Houston State getting the number two seed, but what's your prediction on this one? I, I also think Sam Houston 
I'm not as sold on them as being a, a power this year. Uh, I just don't think their conference is as, as strong as what people are crediting them for. Uh, that said, that they're going to win this game. They will absolutely win this opening game against Monmouth. I'm taking Sam Houston State as well. They just score too many points, and uh, I don't think Monmouth can keep up. Sam Houston State's going to win. All right, Chappie, let's get to some big sky action. Eastern Washington, the Eagles heading to the Fargo Dome against the Bison, who are they've lost two games this year. It doesn't even seem like they're the same Bison as we've seen in the past. This could be a matchup nightmare for the Bison. Eagles and Bison, what's going to happen? Eastern Washington, the best thing that happened to them all year was losing to Idaho that first game. They have been angry since. Um, this is going to be a close game. Eastern Washington is going to win this game. This is They're going to go on the road. Eric Berrier is going to play himself into a great transfer position at the University of Oregon or another high-flying Pac-12 school this fall. Chappie with a few predictions there. I only asked for the game outcome. Jeez. This is, I, I just think it's a matchup question, right? I think that maybe overall the Bison might have more talent than Eastern Washington, but do they have the talent at the right positions? And for that reason, in what seems to be a toss-up game to me, I'm taking Eastern Washington. And who knows, maybe North Dakota State is just going to come out pissed off because they just got, they, they just lost the, the Dakota marker and everything coming into the playoffs. Maybe they're just upset and they're playing at home. But to me, it's a, it's a matchup question. And I think that Eastern Washington matches up really well against the Bison. I'm taking Eastern Washington in this one. Finally, the game of the week. Stewart Stadium this afternoon. The Salukis come into town, SIU trying to knock off Weber State. Weber State looking for some more history, trying to make their fourth consecutive quarterfinal appearance. Huge game. Chappie, I need a score. Salukis and Wildcats, what's going to happen? Hey, like, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, to me, I think it's going to be a, a little bit more of a, a ground pound type of game. Um, I'm hopeful that Weber State's defense can, can, or excuse me, that their offense can put things together. Um, I expect them to run heavy and then use that to, to, to go into some play action passes. Right. Uh, the, the thing that concerns me about Southern Illinois is about the Salukis is, I mean, they put up 800 yards of offense last week, 800. That is an astound. Like you're playing NCAA football on the Xbox on rookie level. You don't put up 800 yards. <laughs> Right. It's just it's an astounding number. Uh, but I do think that that uh, Weber State wins this game. Uh, if you're at, my prediction is going to be uh, 24 to 14. You know, every single time I think it's going to be a blowout, it just it, it hasn't worked out for Weber State this season. I, I don't know their exact record against the spread, but I'll tell you what, it's not pretty. For the Wildcats, they they just haven't blown opponents out like Las Vegas has expected them to. That said, I just I love the matchup again. Uh, SIU, they, they've had quarterback issues. They like to run the football. Five of Weber State's front seven are all conference performers. Three of the back four are all conference performers. This defense is just too good for SIU. Uh, I I think that SIU obviously we've we've noted it a few times this week that they have struggled against teams who run the football well. And guess what? Weber State runs the football extremely well with three different running backs. They they can do it from 
so many different ways when they get the ball off in the backfield. It's just, it's incredible. And so the matchup I think is just too much for SIU. That said, Weber state hasn't really put opponents away with the exception of the first game of the season. So I think Weber state is going to control this one. I think it'll be a wire to wire victory, but I think it's going to look a lot closer on the scoreboard than maybe it will actually go. I think the Wildcats going to win this one by a final tally of 23, 16, and I think it'll be wire to wire. So I'll throw in an extra prediction there. But Weber State's moving on to the quarterfinals. Book it. They're going to Brookings after South Dakota State wins. All right, Chappy. Time to get some football, huh? Let's do excited? it. Man. We are ready. This is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be uh might be a little bit of an overcast day, but it's going to be nice out there. It's Man, what else would you rather be doing on a nice spring afternoon than watching some playoff football? You know, I looked it up. It's saying a high of 67, partly cloudy. We're hoping for an end to the windmageddon here in Ogden. Also, someone on the Weber State weekly Twitter account, I don't know who, I won't say who, rather, said that there will be a 100% chance of purple rain. So book it, bring your umbrellas to Stewart Stadium. The purple rain is going to be there. Before we end this one, want to remind you to please subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts, WeberStateWeekly.com. You can listen there. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can go subscribe there, rate us, review us, and help us get into the ears of as many Wildcat fans as possible. Help us expand the Weber State brand. You can also follow us on social media. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow us at, on Twitter and Instagram at Weber State Weekly. Please go there and follow us. We also have a Patreon. If you support our work, you can go to patreon.com and and express that support for Weber State Weekly. All right, Chappie. We'll end this one how we always do prior to this big playoff game here at Stewart Stadium by saying Weber State, Weber State. Great, great, great. Go Wildcats. (laughs) 